Welcome everyone to the Learn Fresh podcast. My name is Nick Monzi, CEO and co-founder of Learn Fresh, and I'm joined by Calvin Seibert, our chief academic officer, my co-host, and affectionately and appropriately nicknamed the game changer of education. Changing the game. In this four-part series, we're going to be highlighting the inaugural cohort of the Learn Fresh Fellowship for Culturally Inclusive Education. The fellowship invites educators and curriculum writers of color to create and broadly share standards-aligned curricula that authentically represent the cultural, ethnic, and racial identities of their communities. In conjunction with Learn Fresh's existing community of education, program, and philanthropic partners, the fellowship provides space for educators to design, prototype, pilot, and promote their work. The fellowship strives to create a robust pipeline for the creation and implementation of culturally responsive K-12 curricula across all content areas from curriculum writers of color. In today's episode, we're featuring Learn Fresh fellow Francine Garrett. Francine currently serves as an instruction and personalized learning lead in Atlanta, Georgia. She holds a Bachelor's of Arts degree with a specialization in vocal performance, a Master's of Science degree in Curriculum Instruction and Technology, and a doctoral degree in Administrative Leadership for Teaching and Learning. She holds certifications in the areas of Middle Grades, Language Arts, and Social Science, and has held various leadership positions throughout her 17-year career. Francine is a mother of one, an avid reader, and enjoys traveling and listening to music. So Fran, I just want to start off with one of the uh, special questions. What has led you to work in education? Uh, my love for literacy and just the transformative experience that I had as a student, uh, my teachers loved me. They loved on me. Uh, they held me accountable. They supported me outside of school. And I'll also admit that my mother began brainwashing me uh, to be a teacher uh, about at age five. I thought that I was going to be Whitney Houston, uh, but she had other plans. And, and I love the plans that uh, she had for me. Education is really important to my family. And uh, it just kind of unfolded very naturally for me. So just my love of literature, my love for kids and people and that idea to serve uh, in the capacity that I love uh, is what brought me to education. That's great. So I really can uh, make that connection with you. Uh, my, my grandmother was a teacher, my aunt, my uncle. I didn't know that they were kind of reeling me in with all of this, you know, do things the right way type of stuff. I didn't know okay. that that's what they, what they were doing, but ultimately it ended up putting me in the education space as well. So um, I, I, I get it. Uh, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to be, uh, the next Kobe Bryant. So, uh, you <laughs> or know, Isaiah Thomas or Magic Johnson, I, I wanted to be in the basketball space, uh, actually on the court, but you know, I found my way through another way. So, uh, I totally get so, it. And we connected. I, we, maybe we would have connected when I did the national anthem for your game, but we still <laughs> met. So we got it going. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So would you, um, thinking of uh, any inspirations, who would you say uh, any specific inspirations that you've had other than the ones that you shared there? Uh, inspiration for teaching? Yeah. 
of getting in the education space? Oh my goodness, all of my my teachers, uh, my teachers. I think about Miss K Smith and Miss E Smith. Uh, they were the first to really just nestle me in and uh, let me know that I was smart and it was really okay to be smart. Um, friends in my community who were non-English speaking, um, who I would do buddy reading with, who lived in my community, just that bond. Um, they were my inspiration because they uh, were so grateful and gracious to me, feeling like I helped them learn how to read. So that really inspired me. And then, of course, uh, my heroes like Nelson Mandela and um, Maya Angelou, just people um, who I would always look up to and read about and, and hear about and watch um, in television. And just those people soaring and, and doing uh, things that I wanted to do, I wanted to emulate. I want. I love to speak in front of people. I love connecting. So just those who had that servant leadership spirit really inspired me as well. Wow. So you, you mentioned Nelson Mandela. So I have to bring it up. Uh, my mother... Um, when I was young, uh, she had my sister and I raise money to, uh, during the apartheid movement. And um, I actually met Winnie Mandela at uh, the Joe Louis Arena. No, I take it back. It was at Cobo Hall. At Cobo Hall. Wow. Um, and uh, we met her backstage and we gave her about... I want to say about five thousand dollars wow uh, to help and so that um that was the beginning of me starting to understand uh it's bigger than just our city um there are other things going on in the world that we need to think about and my friends treated me like i was weird <laughs> <laughs> like what do you mean what do you mean you care about this about starving kids in, in Africa mm -hmm. and, and, and what do you mean? Like, because my mom says that this is important. So that that is uh, when you mentioned Nelson Mandela, that, <laughs> that, that, that hit a spot there for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're different. Educators are different kinds of people. Um, my friends will tell you, even my sister who's older than me, she will tell you, everyone is like, oh, you're, you were a teacher. Well, yeah, you've been teaching us our whole lives. You were always bossy and getting us together and making sure we did our homework and just keeping us even in line outside playing. So I think um, we all have that, that spirit and that call to help others. So it's no surprise. <laughs> Absolutely. So I know you're a superhero teacher. I love the call all of our uh all of our special teachers that what would you say has been a highlight of your uh teaching experience uh those connections those bonds that i've made um with my forever students i call them my forever babies but i have some now who are like 29 and 30 i don't know how because i'm only 39 but they are there and uh just <laughs> Um, my, my kids, you know, going to weddings, going to grad college graduations and uh, watching my kids get sworn into the military for service and um, just having those who come back to me to connect um, still. I, that's why I call them my forever kids, because really the community um, that I've built with those individuals, even some who are now coming into education, some who are pro athletes, um, it's just lasting. And just that love um, and bond for my kids have really been those special moments. I've had the teacher of the year, district finalist, all the, the big things that you want to experience as a teacher, but that lasting connection is just irreplaceable. 
Yeah, you you hit it right on there. That's that's it's very special to have the the follow through, you know, to know that wow, they're still ah, they're still there and they're hanging in there and they're doing great they're doing great things, you know. That's I think that's why we got in the game, not really realizing it, you know, cuz grades they said that's you want kids to have the good grades. <laughs> and it's like well, we want them to find themselves and uh to be a part of that to, to know that we we assisted in that that is very special i love that that has come up on every interview that we've done for this fellowship the lasting connection and the importance of that for all the fellows is super super deep and i know for you too calvin uh yeah it's awesome mark of an awesome teacher so fran let's dig a little bit deeper into the fellowship component i know that you learned a little bit about mba matthews and Got really excited about that as your initial foray into the organization last year. But what drew you to the fellowship? What about the opportunity and the space that we're creating through that prompted you to apply? Um, it it kind of was just in line with all the other work that I was doing um, over since March of uh, 2020. I started taking an adult learning education course to help me help my teachers as the uh, instruction and personalized learning lead. I my focus is really on helping teachers get better, and what I realized is that um, I needed to tap into people's cultures and understanding why we are the way we are, why we believe what we believe, how our experience um, growing up in our families, our traditions, how your overall culture um, just shaped the educator that you are because it shaped the person who you are. And teaching is so personal. Um, you know, this is the profession where you better not dare say, don't take it personal because it, it's hard work. And in my work, um, with uh, my adult education courses, I realized, oh my God, culturally responsive teaching. There are experiences that some of my teachers just can't connect to because it's not their experience. And you know, one way to connect that I know is through literacy. So we did a lot of reading and studying and talking. Um, I shared some experiences with other adult educators who um, were uh, just, treated differently because they came from a different culture and were merging into another. And it made me realize, you know, this is something I could tap into in the classroom. Um, it comes naturally to me as an educator because I grew up in a melting pot area. And, um, you know, and then I moved when I got to high school and it was a totally different experience. I've had that experience uh, as an, uh, a teacher um, where I teach on this side and you have certain things that you need, you have everything that you need, and then I teach on the other side and then you don't have anything that you need. And so um, just knowing that one way that I could tap into people early and then tap into the adults who may have missed it through literacy, um, it just connected. And then I saw the opportunity while I'm blabbing about math hoops to everybody. I saw it and I said, wow, you know, this, this connects to the work that I'm doing and just having teachers expose themselves to, uh, con culturally diverse content, um, culturally responsive, responsive, excuse me, content, developing some of those practice practices to bring into their rooms. And then here you guys were. And I said, this is a great way to, to share this work. Uh, everywhere. Absolutely. A couple things come to mind that definitely resonate. One is, you know, talking about creating these connections. And I feel like over the last year, 
this phrase like the beauty of difference or like the importance of difference is like started to surface through all of these like racial social justice conversations and that's so true i feel like it's also a thing that really great educators know and as we've had we've had these conversations on these other fellowship calls about how when you're a great educator you have to really dig down deep and understand each student for who they are like what their personality is what their culture is what their background is what their family situation is and to be able to lift that up and like make sure that that's a common thread for educators uh, those who are doing it already and those who maybe aren't, I think is a really beautiful thing. So you're, you're touching on that and that's awesome. And then just like the resonance for me personally, like one of my big passions is just traveling and connecting with people from different places. And that can mean within a city, like, like exactly like you're describing, like there are completely parallel worlds in different cities and communities that could also be across states that can be across countries that can be across the world. And like the ability and the desire to like tap tap into that that you have, I think, is really powerful, and and appreciate you bringing that to the space as a fellow. Digging a little bit deeper into that, you know, obviously over the last year we've had a ton of conversation around as a society around you know how to build inclusivity and representation as it relates to race, race and ethnicity and culture, and you know these are conversations that have been going on for a long time. Obviously, have you know, surfaced in different ways over the last year, but. If we zero in a little bit on the education space in particular, and you think about some specific areas where we can build as a sector as it relates to racial, ethnic, and cultural inclusivity, what are those things for you? Um, the first thing I always try to do is I try to make it relative to um, your experience. And by that, I mean, um, I usually start by having people picture um, just a really bad moment as a kid, a really bad moment um, that they experienced. Maybe you were having a bad day. Maybe you got in trouble. Maybe your parent, a parent lost a job. You lost a sibling. And then you came into um, an environment and nobody noticed you. Uh, they kept going. Uh, they kept teaching. They didn't ask. They said you were being unresponsive. They said all of these things that you were doing <clears throat> and they didn't try to connect. Um, and everybody has that story right about the thing where you know i i i, I was going through this and uh, they missed it they didn't see me and i think when i connect with people and tap into their experience they begin to look at kids through a different lens um i guess what i'm, I'm saying overall is just empathy uh, we don't know what another person is going through and that comes with them with us as adults and with our children um there's a, a, a great uh, bit of work that's being done right now, of course, with, as you said, Nick, with everything that's going on and just trying to get us to make those connections. And it's become even more challenging in the virtual setting and hybrid models and remote learning, but empathy. Um, I think if we jumpstart there and tap into that in each of us, that it, it makes our work natural. It guides us. Yeah, I love that. The, the point around empathy is so... That's, that's the root of everything in terms of being able to relate to another person, no matter where they're from or what their background is. So raising that up as the first, the first point there, I think is huge. Calvin, I'll toss it back over to you uh, to finish us up. And before I uh, jump to the next question, I just wanted to say, I, I, when you said that, it made me think about those days where I took the chance and instead of going through my curriculum 
instead of going through my patient chart, instead of going through my lesson plans, I dropped the ball and said, we've got something going on in here. And I turned it into a, like a meeting where we talked about things that we normally wouldn't to try to help. You know, a lot of times the kids don't, they're not seeing counselors. They're not seeing, you know, the, the people that can help. And, uh, and even their parents aren't sometimes it's, it's, to be honest, that's not a popular space in our community to go get the mental health. Uh, so as an educator to recognize it and, and to actually be in a school where you kind of can pull it off because someone's not watching your every move and, and not like it's a bad thing that you're addressing these your students you care about your students so we we have to miss out on the math lesson right now honestly because so and so is is crying do you all you know go over and 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 give him or her a hug and uh and and it's like teaching love that why is that not in the, in the curriculum? Yeah, and what you're yeah. describing, that is culturally responsive work. You got to know the room, right? They tell us that all the time as adults. And when you can recognize that as an educator and you find the way to connect, you have to think about the situation you just explained. You could have taught 10 math lessons and that kid, that person, they wouldn't have learned a thing. But because you, you led with empathy, you saw that fixing whatever this is or given that that security that guidance was worth more than this two plus two for today because we do it every day um that the, you know they'll do anything for you and you set the tone you made your room a safe place and that that's part of the work that's a part of it that acceptance acknowledging and being relational that's it that's that's the work right and that's something that i wasn't taught to do in college that was something that just came from the heart, like as the person that I am. Mm -hmm. Look, we need to stop right now and uh, and just trying different avenues. You know, sometimes I would just play soft music and just the beat. And I had to be careful because sometimes you play just the beat and you're like, oh, no, this is the song that they like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Another that's another culturally responsive practice being inclusive, right? Because we're not we're saying it in our head. We won't say it out loud. But those are the, those are those just uh, what, you know, now they're culturally responsive. But that's just you being you, you being you connecting and loving and bonding and leading that. So but now we have a name for it, right? Because it can't just be the few. We need to tap into that in the many. Right. Absolutely. So uh, what would you say? is your uh, biggest goal for the fellowship and pretty much when you when you finish in December what what are you hoping to have accomplished pretty much uh, to tell the stories uh, to people um, who would have never considered reading them um, I don't know if you guys are readers, you know, like I am, but I devour books and um, because they, they take me places I can go anywhere and do anything um, through 
uh, the source of text. And I think um, if we could hear the stories and relate to the stories um, that people are telling in literacy, um, I think that's transformative. Um, I think it, it adds to that empathy. It makes you uh, think a, a second thought. It, it takes you out of yourself. And I really want um, us to have more stories from uh, Southeast Asia. There are some brilliant stories of female African warriors. I also want to champion um, the woman. We have so many great stories with male heroes, and I want to tell some of these triumphant, heroic tales of our women and girls across the world. And I really uh, just want to have that connecting piece and empower girls and empower our female teachers. And then I want uh, our boys to look at women and go, oh, okay, all right. You know, that doesn't usually happen until a little later in life when, <laughs> when you're able to tap into that. But I want our male students because we, we read The Hobbit and we go with uh, Bilbo and Frodo and The Lord of the Rings and we do those things, but we don't look at the heroic deeds of Katniss Everdeen in the same way, right? So I want uh, just to shine a lens on stories from across the world and uh, just share those to help shift perspective. Wow. <laughs> we sure did pick the right folks here. <laughs> you guys are awesome. And I, lo I love how you, how you explain that. And sometimes our world is tricky to where the right people are not getting the credit. And, um, and we're going to shine a lens on that. Just like you said, I'm still in that. Merry Christmas. That's your gift. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Well, Fran, that was awesome. Inspirational. We're so excited to see what you do as a part of the fellowship. I'm pumped to hear that project come together and uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be an incredible experience with you and the community. That's all for today's episode. To learn about the other fellows in the inaugural class of the Learn Fresh Fellowship for Culturally Inclusive Education, check out the other episodes in this four-part series. The Learn Fresh podcast is produced by our very own Nick Monzi and Sumner Becker with additional production assistance from Caitlin Woodward. Sumner Becker also does our engineering, editing, and music. The Learn Fresh podcast is part of the Side Audio Network, an audio community founded by Jeremiah Ote and Naranjan Kumar. The Side Audio Network hosts podcasts that aim to transfer trust between people and communities through storytelling and conversation. Mm -hmm.